in one of these cities that has markets all over the place. And so we decided to take that day off and go into the market and look around to tour, explore, learn things about the culture, try to talk to some people and everything. And we got right into the middle of the market and it was super crowded and chaotic and confusing. And what tends to happen with 10, 11, 12 year old kids happened. Um, One of our children all of a sudden had to go to the potty. Like in that moment, I have to go now. And we had no idea where a public restroom was. We're in Southeast Asia. We don't know a way around or anything. And so Kat said, you stay here, don't move. And I'll, I'll go find a bathroom. And so she grabbed the child that needed to go to the restroom and took off running into the crowd. And I'm sitting there with the other two and about 20 minutes passed. I was super nervous. And Kat comes back and, and I said, where did you find a restroom? She said, well, actually, the only one that I could find was in a bar that doubles as a brothel. This sounds like a bad joke, right? <laughs> a professor, a middle school teacher, and three kids walk into a bar. <laughs> um, yeah, that's about how I felt in that moment. But the interesting thing is, and the convicting thing is, is that my wife said, yeah, while, while our child was going to the restroom, I started talking to the ladies at the bar, the ladies who were working there, and started telling them why we're here. And they want us to come back tomorrow when there's no business and continue the conversation. So my wife makes an appointment at a brothel um, <laughs> for us to go back, and we did. We went back the next afternoon, middle of the afternoon, there was no business in there. We walk into the bar. We set our kids up on a pool table and they're, they're playing uh, pool billiards there. And Kat and I sat at the bar with these two ladies who were working there and began to listen to their stories and to share the message of hope with them. And there was only one other person in the bar that day. It was a, a white guy back in the very back. He was on a pool table as well. And eventually he made his way up and sat down next to me at the bar. And he said, I've got to ask you this question. What in the world is this like family doing in a place like this? And so I began to speak to him of the hope and the redemption that I'd found in Christ. And this, this look came over his face and I asked him his story, why he was there in Southeast Asia. And he said, you know, ironically, I'm here on a spiritual quest. I'm here trying to find hope and meaning in life. And as he began to unfold his story for me, it turns out that he had been working in uh, a business, a corporate uh, environment in the city of London. And he had worked there for about five years and was completely unfulfilled in his role there. And so he announced he was going on this spiritual quest. He was quitting everything. He was taking his his salary and he was going to go east and try to find the meaning of life. And he told me that day, sitting at the bar, he said, you know, the irony is the very last day on the job, the man who sat at the cubicle next to me for five years came over to me and started telling me the same message that you're sharing with me today. And that's positive, right? But with a caveat. He looked me in the eyes and he said, I'd worked literally right next to this man for five years and I knew nothing of what he was sharing with me that day. 
I'd never seen it lived out in his life. I'd never heard it from him. And he said, I looked at the man who was talking to me about Jesus and I told him, if Jesus is so important to you, why did you wait till my last day before you shared? You know, I learned something that day in the bar. He, he didn't come to faith. I shared with him. He did not come to faith that day. But I learned something that day that has impacted me ever since. There, there's a sense of urgency that goes along with the gospel. And the longer that you know someone, the harder it gets to share with them. If they don't know that the good news of Jesus is the center and the foundation of your life very early, it only gets harder. And so when I think about our theme, 2019 here at North Wake, the, the theme was worth it. And we went through First and Second Peter and we went through Revelation and we talked about how Christ is worth suffering for. Christ is worth it because there is a future hope right? And Peter, throughout his letters, exhorted believers to bear witness and to live out this identity, this hope that they have in Christ, even in the midst of great suffering. And Revelation showed us where all of this is headed, the hope of heaven. And yet sitting in a bar in Southeast Asia was a man who had no hope. And so this year, Pastor Larry introduced our theme for the year. It should be up on the screen here. Engage, and, and the subtext is com compassion in action. North, North Wake Church is going to seek to love our neighbors in the community and show compassion and hospitality, taking the risk to speak to them of the hope that's found in Christ. You see, we're engaging precisely because we found Christ to be worth it. It's worth the effort, worth the inconveniences, worth the heartaches, worth the risk. So we want to engage our community to both display and declare that Jesus is indeed worth it. And so I want you to look up on the screen. There's a, a map that's there. This is a map of our church membership. You know, the church is not this building. 1212 South Main is not the church. The church is what you see up there. It's, it's the followers of Christ. It's the people who found hope in the gospel. And we are spread out all around the greater Wake Forest area into some other surrounding towns as well. Each of those dots represents a neighborhood where God has placed a light, a presence, so that those who live nearby can share the same hope that we have. You know, Marcus and Sarah Beth were here a few minutes ago. They, they're serving in East Asia, and they've been there for the last 18 months, and 10% of our congregation is serving in other places around the world. We're roughly 500 members, and at least 50 of those people have decided that Jesus is worth it. He's worth being away from family. He's worth going to the other side of the world and enduring inconveniences. He's worth it. But Northwood Church, I want to ask you, what's different here with the other 450 of us? Is he not worth it here? 
You see, the geography of our calling may be different than Marcus and Sarah Beth's and the other far-flung families from North Wake, but the foundation of our calling is the same. We are each called to cherish Christ. We're each called to communicate Christ. You see, North Wake is called to do that among the nations as we sin, but North Wake is also called to do that among our neighbors for those of us who stay. With all the personalities and the giftings and the circles of influence that are represented, even in this room this morning, we have an unprecedented opportunity to make a difference right here where we live. Engaging our community with the good news of Jesus isn't just about what we do. This morning I want to encourage you that really this is about who we are. Oftentimes evangelism is talked about with shoulds and oughts. But this morning I want to talk to you about engaging our community as a core of our identity. Who we are should affect what we do. And I want to remind us and challenge us that we who cherish Christ deeply should be communicating Christ broadly. You see, God did what was necessary to bring you near to him. And so now that you're near to him, this good news needs to be communicated to those who are near to you but far from God. And so the challenge this morning is going to be to both display the hope of Christ and declare the need for Christ. So over the next several minutes, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. And I'll just tell you briefly what the main points are going to be this morning. First of all, it's just straight out of the text of Scripture. First of all, what what does it mean to be a new creation in Christ? Second, What does it mean to be reconciled to God through Christ? And then third, what does it mean to live as an ambassador for Christ? Now keep in mind in just a moment as I reread this passage that Daniel read earlier that Paul was not addressing this letter to the elders at the church in Corinth. He was addressing it to the entire church. The whole church was to hear this letter and to be compelled by the contents of this letter. In fact, Paul actually in the introduction says that it's not just supposed to remain in Corinth, but it's supposed to spread throughout that region through the members of the church in Corinth. And what he's writing has universal relevance and application for every single member of both the church then and there and the church here and now. So if you're a follower of Jesus, then understand this, this is is where we're gonna land, this is a summary. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you are a new creation in Christ, and you are an ambassador for Christ. Identity is who you are, it's reflected in what you do. You see, I'm, I'm made in the image of God as a man, but fundamentally, I am a new creation in Christ and an ambassador for Christ. Those things are unchanging about me. And often, you know, when we get to know people and we're in conversations, one of the first questions somebody asks is, what do you do? And our response is too frequently and wrongly phrased as we are that thing. So somebody asks what I do, I say, I am a professor. But you know what? There may be a day when I'm not. 
But there will never be a day when I'm not made in the image of God. There will never be a day when I'm not a new creation in Christ. There will never be a day when I am not an ambassador for Christ. The Spanish language captures this. Really, there are two to-be verbs in the Spanish language. One of those verbs communicates things that you are that are unchanging. And the other verb communicates things that you are that could change. I want to argue today from the scripture and I want to exhort you today from the scripture. There are a few things, if you're in Christ, about you that are unchanging. And that should reflect in the way that you live. Who you are in Christ, who Christ rescued you to be, affects how you live, what you do. And so let's dive into the text of scripture here this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21, if you would read with me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So the first thing I want you to notice from our passage this morning is what it means to be a new creation in Christ. Look at the way Paul starts this passage. He says, if anyone is in Christ, these things are true about you. This is core to who you are. If you are in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has passed away. Now understand, when he talks about the old being passed away, he's He's talking about your forgiveness. You have been forgiven. The the debt of sin has been erased. And because you're forgiven, you're empowered to flourish. And he goes on and he says, if you're a new creation in Christ, behold, the new has come. He's not talking about perfection. He's talking about progress. You see, As far as God is concerned, we're perfected because of Christ. But that perfection is working itself out in our daily lives here, where we still make mistakes, we still sin, we still rebel, we still struggle. But Paul reminds the people of God that if you're a new creation in Christ, these things are true about you. The old has passed away and the new has come. And he says, all of this is from God. So it's not something that we can boast about in and of ourselves. He says, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So if you're here this morning and you're in Christ, it's it's not because of what you did, but because of what God has done. You don't clean yourself up and then come to God. When you were rebellious and far from God, he came to you. Think about all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 in the garden when Adam and Eve rebelled against God. They were far from God with regards to their spirit, but God entered into the brokenness 
and spoke. And when his words were spoken, it oriented them. It showed them what was wrong. It showed them how far they had gone. But because God is speaking there in the garden, he's speaking words of hope. God didn't just turn his back and walk away. God enters into the brokenness and he speaks words of hope and words of promise, how he is going to fully deal with this sin problem. So it's God who's reconciling us to himself. And the good news of the gospel is that we, who were once far off, have been brought near to God through Christ. And so this begs the question for every person sitting here this morning, where are you? Where are you right now? Are are you far from God or are you near to him? If you're here this morning and what I'm saying is not making a whole lot of sense, if this idea of being in Christ and a new creation doesn't make sense to you, then, then take heart. The very fact that you're here sitting under the teaching of the word of God means God is drawing near to you in this moment. And he desires to reconcile you to himself. He's done everything that's necessary for you to be near to him. And what you have to do is to trust that he is good and that what he has provided for you in Christ is enough. To turn from your own sin and self and to surrender to God through Christ. And he will rescue you. And in a moment you'll be a new creation. But for those of you who are here this morning and and you're near to God, you've, you've received the good news of the gospel, recognize this, God did the work, not you. What you have in Christ, he gave to you. Being in Christ, you you can't help but cherish him for what he's delivered you from, for what he's making you to become. What you've received from him, you cannot lose. It is the truest truth about your identity if you're in Christ. But we can't take that for granted. And we must not keep it to ourselves. And so Paul continues, if you're new creation in Christ, it's because you've been reconciled to God through Christ. And that's the second point. What does it mean to be reconciled to God? through Christ. Paul goes on and he says, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself. This whole concept of reconciliation has the connotation of relationship, right? There was distance, there was brokenness in a relationship, but reconciliation means the gospel is relational. It's not just a transaction. Being a Christian or being saved isn't merely a transaction. Yes, redemption required a payment to be made for our sin. But that payment was made through a person, the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And he did it not just so that you could have your sins forgiven, your conscience clean. He did it to reconcile you to God the Father so that you could have a relationship that prior to his work was impossible. And so this morning, recognize this, that God is reconciling the world to himself through the message of the gospel. And the reconciling work of Christ is both cosmic and comprehensive. It's cosmic in the sense that Christ didn't just die for one kind of person in one place. 
but he died for all kinds of people in all places. And that's the reason why North Wake sends people like Marcus and Sarah Beth to the ends of the earth. Because the gospel is as relevant there as it is here. The work that Jesus accomplished is cosmic, but it's comprehensive in the sense that what the Son of God did 2,000 years ago accomplished the eternal uh, purposes of God for all times. And so when we talk about this reconciling work of Christ, what we're really getting at is the intersection of divine sovereignty, the work of God, what he alone could do, and human responsibility, the way that we respond to that message. And Paul goes on and he says, he's not counting their trespasses against them. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But right here in our passage, we see that God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. He's not just acting as if sin never happened. He is dealing with our sin completely to restore the relationship. And then he uses this word in trust. He says that God, when we're reconciled, is entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. And trust is a banking term. In the Greek, it, it literally means that God is giving something to us expecting a return, a return on investment. And so he's entrusted to us, we who've been reconciled to God through Christ, he's entrusted, entrusting that message to us because he expects a return. He wants it to be spread and applied both through our works and through our words. We're to live lives where we display and declare the finished work of Christ. And that leads us to our third point. For a new creation in Christ, we've been reconciled to God through Christ. Now we're ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. God is speaking to the world through us, we are reconciled reconcilers. We who have received the benefits of the gospel now get the joy of proclaiming the benefits of the gospel to others. You think about what does an ambassador do? An ambassador is sent to live in a place that he doesn't choose with a message that he or she has not come up with themselves. They are sent by an authority. They live where they're sent they speak what they're told to speak, and they do it in order to personalize the message of their sending authority. And I want you to understand here this morning, Northwake Church, that you have been planted in this place, in this time, by God. And you've been entrusted with a message. You don't have to come up with the message yourself. You simply say to people what God has done for you, in you, and you offer it to them. Acts 17, the Apostle Paul is living as an ambassador when he goes into the city of Athens and he declares this message and he tells them, God appointed the places that you live and the times that you live so that you'll seek God because he's not far off. Paul is promising them that he is pursuing, God is pursuing the people of Athens by virtue of the very presence of Paul. And that's what that map of our membership means. God is pursuing those people through you. And we can expect the same results that Paul got. In Acts 17, the chapter ends with Paul proclaiming that message and some people mocked him. We can expect that. I've definitely been mocked for communicating Christ. But we see there's a second category of people there in Acts 17. There are people who heard him and said, hey, we want to hear more. 
You would be surprised how many people in our community are more than open to having a conversation about who Jesus is in the comfort of their home or in a coffee shop or over a meal. They may never set foot into this building and hear the message here, but they shouldn't have to because you can proclaim it there. With roughly 500 members, most of whom who live in the greater Wake Forest area, our membership makes up 1% of the population of this community. And so our 2020 focus to engage our community is to help equip and mobilize each one of you to live like ambassadors, like missionaries in this community, trusting that God is going to do the work to reconcile people to himself when we display and declare this good news. And so, what's the motive? Paul speaks to it here. He says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, let me just lower the tone here for a minute and and say this. Our annual priority to engage the community is not about making you feel guilty for what you haven't been doing. Rather, it's about what we desire to see you become. We want you to become who you are in Christ. That's what the elders are praying for this church and that's what we wanna lead in helping you to become who you are in Christ. Not just a new creation in Christ, but an ambassador for Christ. And we've been entrusted with this message. Paul concludes the verse. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin to become sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is not a message that we can go out and communicate in such a way like we've got it all together. This message beckons humility in us, right? Paul actually talks about that just a few chapters earlier in in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He compares communicating Christ with something known in the Roman Empire as the triumphal procession. You see, the Roman Empire, as they were expanding, they were taking over different cities, and, and the emperor would send ambassadors to those cities and offer terms. If you surrender, you'll become a citizen of Rome. You'll have all the rights and privileges thereof. But if you reject this offer, then you're gonna come under condemnation of the authority. And Paul says there in 2 Corinthians chapter two, he says, we are the aroma of Christ to those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, to one, the fragrance of death unto death. If you're here this morning and you hear the good news of Christ and you reject it, then what I'm saying to you smells like death. But he says, to the other a fragrance of life to life. If you're here this morning and and you know that you're a sinner and you can't fix yourself and you've turned from your sin and you've trusted Christ, then what I'm saying to you should be resonating with you. It's life, this is the message of hope. I could not do it myself, but Christ did it for me. And Paul goes on in that passage in 2 Corinthians 2 and he says, who is sufficient for this task? Humility, right? He's saying, who is sufficient to bear witness to this goodness? Certainly not me. I don't deserve to be here. You don't deserve to be here. And that's the beauty of the gospel, is that we can go into our community and declare this message in humility as ones who've received it. And so I want to turn for just a moment and help you to understand what we're going to do in 2020, a strategy that reflects 
our identity as a church. You know, in this church, there are a lot of different personalities, a lot of different giftings, and not everyone is like me, and praise God for that. And so we wanted to come up with a strategy that would help you to live out this purpose in our community. So in the 2020 vision, we're not creating a bunch of events or additional ministries to do. What we're doing is we're casting vision for ways to help you, North Wake, engage and expand your circles of influence. And so I want you to take the response card that you were given on your way in, and I want you to look at it. And on this little part that says engage, right at the top, there's a little fill in the blank. And this may seem elementary, but there's something that rings true about this. At the top it says, I, fill in the blank, am a, and then there's some more blanks. And my name is George, I've surrendered to Christ. And so what I would write there is, I, George, am a new creation in Christ and an ambassador for Christ. I want you to own that identity if you've surrendered to Christ. I want you to recognize and understand that's who you are. I am a new creation in Christ and an ambassador for Christ. And then underneath that, you'll see what we've uh, drawn out here as circles of influence. What we want you to do is to think of just four names, four people that you live nearby, you work with, you play with, you uh, people who are members of your family, and just write the initials of those names that God brings to your mind right now in those circles. And at the bottom of the card, it says, therefore, I'm committing to. Everything starts with the ministry of prayer. So we're asking you to commit to pray, to care, and to share with those people in 2020. Embrace your identity as a new creation in Christ, as an ambassador for Christ, and then commit to pray, care, and share with, with these four people at least, right? So I want you to watch on the video screen as you're filling that out. I want you to watch Josh Reed talk about how circles of influence have shaped his life. Hey, Northwake family. My name is Josh Reed. Hope you're doing well. You know, I had a friend one time named Eric say, Josh, things that matter run at the speed of trust. And nowhere has that proven to be more true than in the spread of the gospel. If you look throughout scriptures, if you look throughout history, the primary way that God has spread his gospel is through ordinary people like me and you leveraging their spheres of influence for the sake of the gospel. And so for 2020, I want to encourage you to really consider who are the people in your life that are far from God but close to you? Who are the people you have trusted relationships with? It could be new relationships. It could be longstanding relationships. But think about people you work with, people in your home, people in your neighborhood, your family, people that perhaps you do some sports with, some hobbies, whatever the case may be. Who are people in your life that's far from God but close to you that you have trust with? And I want to encourage you just to write a few of those names down and begin praying for them daily. What might happen if God opened up some opportunities for us in 2020 to begin intentionally sharing His good news in word, works, and perhaps even wonders? with the people that we have the most trust with. What might he do if he takes that gospel then and begins to spread it through their spheres of influence? Well, I'd like to find out in 2020. I hope you'll join. So what we're asking is that everyone own their circle of influence. The people that God has put in your life that trust you and that you begin to pray intentionally daily for those people to have an opportunity to care for them, 
and to share with them. Now I want you to flip the card over to the other side and I want you to notice the big circle there is circles of influence because we're asking everyone in North Wake to do that. The elders are owning this as well. But we recognize that our circles of influence are oftentimes limited. So one of the things that we need to do as a Christ follower is constantly expand our circles of influence. And so look around the big circle and you'll see four on-ramps to expanding your circle of influence. And so as you listen to North Wake members, I've, I'm gonna show just a couple of video clips and how them speak about how they've chosen to embrace one of these four on-ramps. I want you to be praying about which on-ramp you'll participate in 2020. And so the first one here is intentional guest follow-up. You know, there are some people who come to our church services and our events that, that need to have more than a presentation. They need a conversation. And so this year, we want to be intentional by following up with those people, trying to uh, forge relationships with those people so that we can leverage and live out the gospel. I want you to listen to A.D. Miles talk about the importance of intentional guest follow-up. Why people visit North Wake? Why do they send their kids to runner's camp? Why do they come to the feed ministry or seek counsel through hope? Everyone who comes to North Wake, who comes through our doors or to any of our events or ministries, everyone is looking for something. Think about how you feel when you're looking for something. You misplaced your keys or your wallet. You can't find your homework. You look and you look. The people you live with see you searching. Will they help you? If they do, you feel valued. You believe they see your need as important. If they don't, you feel frustrated. Why don't they care? When guests come to North Wake or to any of our events, what we do communicates something to them. We need to see them. We need to show interest in them a genuine desire to learn who they are and what they're looking for. Some of this happens on the day of the visit, and it should. But they'll know we are Christians by our love, and love lives longer than the day of their visit. Love is a phone call or a text a few days later. Love is getting to know them over coffee or a meal. Love says, you matter to me. And I'll get up off my couch and help you find what you're looking for. I'll help you find Jesus. I'll help you find Christian community. Because Jesus loves me, I will love you. When guests come to North Wake, what we do communicates who we are. Let's be the church that loves our neighbors well. Please consider joining the Intentional Guest Follow-Up Team. Let's get off the couch. So a second on-ramp to living as an ambassador in our community is community rhythms. You know, there are things that are happening around the town of Wake Forest on a regular basis that uh, we don't need to avoid. We need to jump in. We need to become participants and shapers of those things. Things like Six Sundays in Spring or Friday Nights on White or Rec League Sports, all of those provide opportunities for us to naturally expand our circle of influence. And so cultivating re redemptive relationships is not just some tactic. 
It's a truly loving thing to do. We'll, we'll love the people that we come to know. We'll grow in our hospitality of them and, and we'll share our lives and open our homes to them. In fact, even in May of this year, we've got uh, a speaker, Rosaria Butterfield, that's gonna be coming to share with our church on how to use your home and hospitality um, in order to forge these redemptive relationships. But right now, I want you to listen to this video by Jason and Alicia Burgess and them talking about how community rhythms have uh, become so crucial in their being ambassadors. Hello, North White. We're the Burgesses, and we have been in our neighborhood for about five or six years. During that time, we've had um, probably four new families move in. We really tried in different ways to reach out to the new folks and to the folks that are existing there. We've, we've been involved in progressive dinner things, and just by walking and praying and jogging up and down our road, we have had like we had one family that just moved a few years ago that got their moving truck stuck in the ice that gave us an opportunity to help help and meet them. We had one where at that time Jake was 16 and he plowed over their mailbox with his truck to be able to meet them. Just through different ways to reach out and level and meet them. Create the need, then meet the need. The next on-ramp is community needs. Not everyone's gonna ride those rhythms necessarily in the, with the same passion, but there are needs that exist that we need to leverage our membership. And so I want you to listen to Michelle Wilson talk about how uh, community needs have created opportunities to share. deep 
amazing in the Lord's work. We have witnessed God move in wonderful and miraculous ways and provide in ways that only He can provide. And our family's willingness to live ready to be used by God has grown our faith and deepened our dependence upon Him. Our obedience to Him has grown our love for Him, our love for Christ, and our love for those around us. And the final on-ramp is harvest teams. Um, there are people in our community that we're never going to get to know unless we intentionally go and find them. And so James and Matt Williams, uh, James Lind and Matt Williams this year are going to be leading our harvest team. So I want you to listen to them and, and pray for them and, and the possibility of working that, uh, alongside them. Hi, I'm Matt Williams. And I'm James Lind. And we're going to be leading Northwake's new harvest teams that will be launching this year. Matt is going to tell us a little bit about what that is. Take it away, Matt. Together, we are leading the new Northwake Harvest Teams launching this year, 2020. As we seek to follow Luke 10-2 and trust that God has made the fields ripe for the harvest, we are asking God to raise up laborers to go into that harvest. Our leadership has asked us to develop two teams that will have monthly rhythms of taking Northwakers into local communities to intentionally engage the lost with prayer, care, and sharing the gospel, hoping to establish community Bible studies. So we are trusting God to use Harvest Teams both as a means of engaging the lost and as a space where Northwakers can come and see what this type of community engagement uh, and gospel sharing looks like. So if you have a desire to just see the gospel modeled in real life, or you want to grow in boldness in sharing your faith, or you just want to establish a regular rhythm of sharing the gospel, we want to invite you to come and see what God's doing through Harvest Teams. So, lastly, I just want to ask you to pray that God will use this to expand His kingdom and consider whether He's calling you to, to come with us. Thanks. So those are four ways that you can expand your circle of influence. What might happen if we all embrace those? Sometimes reaching out to people takes a little bit longer uh, in terms of seeing response. And uh, so I want us to enter into our time of commitment here as a church by watching a video from one of our elders. Ben Merkel has been reaching out to his older brother for about 35 years, praying for him and engaging him. And recently, Ben had a breakthrough when his brother called him. I want you to see what happened. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Lord.
So what Ben was praying is that his brother be a reconciled reconciler to live as an ambassador. As the worship team starts to play, here's what we're asking of you this morning. To take your one of these copies that you were given and to fill that out, to choose one of these on-ramps for expanding your circle of influence and to prayerfully join along with us. If you fill that out in just a moment, during prayer time, we can't do anything without prayer. Um, if, God, if we do all the right things and God doesn't show up, then nothing is going to happen. But if we commit these people to prayer, if we commit our community to prayer, if we commit ourselves to prayer and action, then God may use that to absolutely transform our community. And so during the time of invitation today, if you are a new creation in Christ and an ambassador for Christ, we're asking you to take one of those cards and to come and leave it at the altar and to pray that God would use us this year to see those people come to faith in Christ. And if you're here this morning and you've never surrendered to Christ, know that I'll be up here. Pastor Larry will be up here. We'd love to talk to you about how you can be reconciled to God through Christ. So North Wake, let's pray and you come. Father, would you use this time that we've set apart to make much of the name of Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name.